0: Hit, Hey Mansfield, so this is episode one, no episode zero of our figure out what this podcast is going to be and we you have a, even, huh?
1: You didn't even spend time trying to figure out like audio quality and volume levels and stuff? No,
0: it's like episode zero.
1: Okay, well can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear I'm me? I'm
1: using, uh. I'm using an external mic so it should sound oh, better
0: than Oh, really? Mic. Man, you're like you're like does the it? pro here. I mean, does it sound better? Yeah, it does actually. Okay, good. <laughs> okay,
1: you so can get cool. Sounds like Yeah. Can you hear that?
0: Yeah. What is that?
1: I'm just like scratching the bass.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, so what are we what are we eating today? It's like uh, we can call this like dinner time. With two techies or something. I
1: guess. uh, So, is this South Indian food? I think. Um, I think the main distinction is like South Indian stuff tends to be more like bready, bread based, like dosas and and uh, rotis and things like that, and whereas the north is more like curry based and rice based. Um, so there are most, most like conventional Indian food is like North Indian. So that's what you, what you imagine when you go to like the restaurant and get like Chana masala or.
0: Dude, I think I had this before.
1: Masala I think is a Western invention, but you know, at least in the U S tikka masala and stuff. So, um, I don't know, I I think like the flavors are a little bit different. It's a little bit like lighter, a little bit uh, less creamy, more like spices. You can let me know what you think when you try it.
0: Yeah, I think I had this kind of Indian food before, but in Singapore, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, I guess I'll go to Little Italy or well, I mean Little uh, India and then looked up a restaurant and then i went in and it was just like all indians and i was like Mm -hmm. what's poplar then they gave me that and i just like ate it and it was delicious it was like like you don't it's like delicious food that's vegetarian and i feel like we need more of that in this world yeah yeah Um, i mean i I
1: think my, my biggest complaint with vegetarian food is like I feel like it always tries so hard to just not be vegetarian food Mm. and as a result it it just doesn't it doesn't taste good because it's it's like kind of by definition an emulation of something else
0: do you know what this white blob thing is it feels like it would have been a ball of rice but it's not it's like I don't know
1: um I don't know what it is I've Wow. I bought like a mix before. You can like, there's like a mix where you like mix it with water and then it just turns into that. Mm-hmm. You like steam it.
0: Yeah, this is uh, delicious. I, you're just like, it's so good.
1: Yeah, it's really, really good. Um,
0: so you've been here three times?
1: Probably more. Wow. I have ordered from them twice in the last few months, but I think before quarantine, I've probably been there three or four times in person.
0: What is this donut thing?
1: Um, so I, I don't know the, I don't really know what most of the things are, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. there are some variation of like various different types of flour, like, like, you know, like it could be lentil flour or chickpea flour or, um, rice flour or something like that. And, and they're like, you know, made into a batter and turned into basically a little bun of sorts.
0: Oh uh, man.
1: but I, I I wish I actually knew like what it was.
0: Dude, it's just so good. It's just mind blowing.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the nice thing about it is like it it doesn't I feel like it doesn't feel like oh this is almost as good as meat but not quite. You know what I mean? No, it's it like, just feels like it's just it, so good. It's just food, you know? Yeah, it's
0: just good food. And, like, I can eat this every day. Because this... ultimately, I don't really care about eating meat. I just want to eat food I enjoy. And this is definitely, like, yeah, just exactly. good food.
1: Um, okay, so idli, which I think is what you're eating, is a type of savory rice cake. Um, oh. Fermented rice and lentil batter. Oh. Um, and then... Um, the donut thing is also <clears throat> lentil based. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't quite know what it is, but um, I think like with with a lot of like the, the trend of everyone making sourdough mm-hmm. recently, like there's a ton of uh, kind of like underrepresented sourdoughs in the world
0: wait there's more than one type of sourdough well
1: okay maybe i'm i'm, I'm going at this from a narrow point of view but like to me the, the big thing about sourdough is like i'm making bread from yeast that i caught in the air right mm-hmm. or rather i cultured yeast that were already on the on the wheat mm-hmm. when i you know when i bought the flour and then i like grew it into a little culture and then now it's making my bread um Mm -hmm. uh dosas are an example of growing uh or basically leavening maybe not leavening but like making bubbles out of um things with the yeasts found on lentils i believe Mm -hmm. so you'll notice that when you eat the dosa it has like kind of a bit of that sour flavor
0: yeah um yeah just like enhances the other flavors though just Mm -hmm. so good Mm. Yeah, you know. man so what do you eat usually every day and also like what should we call this should we call this uh, <laughs> two guys talking about random shit <laughs> over food uh,
1: are you trying to copy like the comedians in cars with coffee
0: oh wait that's a thing I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: I think that's Jerry Seinfeld's show.
0: Wait, he's still doing things? I thought he. I'm just a. I it's just like thought a, he would be rich in America mansion.
1: It's more like a Letterman type of interview format show. Mm. Um, yeah, Seinfeld. He interviewed Obama. Oh, really? In one of the episodes.
0: Yeah. Wow. Huh. Obama. Um,
1: he also has like a car collecting habit, which, you know, <laughs> is something that some people, not everyone can do, but I think every episode he drives a different car and he talks about it.
0: Oh. That sounds so like something imagine... rich people do. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like Jay Leno's probably been on that show too. Hmm. There's a lot of overlap there.
0: Um, um, one of my internships was, uh, they were telling me how, like, oh, yeah, you should, like, get to know each other and, like, ask some questions whenever you meet someone new at work. <clears throat> so, like, um, one of the examples was, like, uh, oh, you know, like, the CEO, he likes cars and going to Santa Barbara. So you should ask him about Santa Barbara and his cars. And it's just, like, whoa, he has a car collection. <laughs> and then I'm, like, you know, in college not really exposed to this world and suddenly i'm in like finance it's a like a hedge fund so like a lot of people Mm -hmm. have a lot of money i'm just thinking wow a car collection that's that's some next level wealth
1: (laughs) yeah that's something
0: oh man Um,
1: have you ever interfaced with uh, the bloomberg craigslist bloomberg terminal craigslist
0: Oh yeah. That thing's insane. It's like um what two thousand dollars a month? That was like years ago. Now I'm betting it's more than that. Um but it's it's weird. Wait, they have it, like this monopoly it, on the market.
1: Huh? Wait, does it cost money to post listings on the Craigslist?
0: Oh, I thought you said the Bloomberg terminal <laughs> from like finance or I
1: did. New... Oh. I did. But apparently there's like a Craigslist built into it. Um, like and Craig's. I've never worked on a Bloomberg terminal before, so I don't really know. But a uh, Craigslist
0: built into it, so like I can buy,
1: yeah,
0: but... I, I could buy a house or real estate properties in it or something.
1: Yeah. So, like, I mean, if you imagine, like, if you have a collection of cars,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not too different from having a collection of like Pokemon cards but oh. if you're trying to like if you let's say you have like two Charizards and then you need to sell one you probably go on craigslist or some website but the thing is that if you have cars you can't just go and post your cars on craigslist right like the audience mm-hmm. isn't quite right like you're not going to find any buyers or you're going to find scammers and stuff so i think the idea behind this like bloomberg craigslist is like so you can sell your yacht without getting harassed <laughs> <clears throat>
0: that's a good filtering you know, system I,
1: I impulse bought my yacht after the last Christmas party and I realized I had I get seasick so I had to sell or something like that Mm -hmm. and then You you know, you can just like have peer-to-peer purchases of like on the orders of like hundreds of thousands of dollars
0: Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know that so when I used it it was only to look up things and I Only used it once a week because I was afraid of breaking things and I just needed to update some reports <clears throat> but it's strange because, like, in the office, everyone has, like, their own office or, like, in the open area, but, like, the Bloomberg Terminal terminal has its own room. No one's ever in there. It's just, like, to pull some numbers and they're out. It's, like, I feel like it's, like, a little shrine kind of area for finance people. And then...
1: I, I thought that, like, the really big firms, like, everyone gets one.
0: Oh, maybe. Maybe my firm wasn't big enough. But that's pretty nuts. Like, $2,000, $3,000 a month. Oh, wow. It's a thing. You found a link on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For crazy rich people. Wow. <laughs> Both for sale. Chelsea Harbor. Oh, that's funny. They they found someone who's trying to sell a gift card. A $25 gift card. Wow. I feel like the... I don't know where I got this. I think I feel like I saw it in an interview, but they said, like, rich people are some of the cheapest people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. I feel like there have, there's some evidence of that. Like, it's not like all rich people are cheap, but... But some of them are just like, oh, that dollar, I have to, like, save that one dollar, even though I'm a billionaire or something. $25 gift card.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a mentality thing. Like, it's easier to, like, if you have established a habit. Yeah. Like, it's hard to judiciously, like, deviate from that habit. And um, it kind of sounds, you know how, like, when people win the lottery, like, Mm -hmm. their lives get ruined? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like that, where you have to develop, like, you have to, like, very quickly develop this, like, extremely defensive, protective mindset, uh, otherwise your life falls apart. So there's probably a response bias going on there, where it's, like, the pe- the rich people who were not cheap probably had their lives fall apart in some way, or... I, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing here.
0: Total speculation.
1: Yeah. But... You could imagine right like let's say that you're like starting to become wealthy you're like starting to make hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands dollars a year and then your immediate reaction is like i'm going to buy all my friends drinks i'm going to buy my mom a car and all that type of stuff and then like the moment stuff stops going well for you you're not a rich person anymore
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i think there's got to be some survival bias going on there
0: yeah i agree Dude, there's just so much, like, seasoning in their food. Oh, wow, this one is good. I do wonder, like, yeah. you know how people associate vegetarian food to healthy food? hmm Is this actually healthy? Because I feel like there has to be a lot of calories and fat in here because it tastes delicious.
1: Depends on who you ask. Um, I think that I would say it's not healthy. Because most uh, Indian vegetarian food uh, still has butter and cream and oil and things are Yeah, fried. I taste it. It's so, delicious. So, like, I wouldn't call that healthy. Um, if you were to ask, like, a vegan for, like, why this is not healthy, I think they would say something like animal products. Um mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I actually, I would struggle to find any definition that would make this healthy. Because I think, like, the purely not eating meat crowd is, like, I don't think there's that much compelling evidence to support that.
0: Yeah, like, um, I had a co-worker who got convinced by his girlfriend to go full vegetarian, and mm-hmm. he had to watch... Um, like several documentaries on how meat is bad for you and it's killing you. So as a person who likes data and research, I just started Googling the crap out of this. And I just kept on reading the entire weekend, I just kept on reading about it. And it's like and at the end of the day my conclusion was um it's basically too much of anything is bad for you and meats is in that group. Mm-hmm. But You know, meat is actually, like, very healthy and good for you if you eat a little bit because it, like, has benefits. Like, protein has benefits. Um, And then I saw so many websites. Like, there was, like, official... I think it was part of the World Health Organization website, too, that they debunked one of the documentaries that um, he watched because it was, like, pretty ridiculous. It was, like, we poured vegetarian blood on cancer and cancer died. Being a vegetarian prevents cancer. And I was just like, what the hell are you are these guys smoking something? Like, uh. Yeah. Um Yeah. Nice. There's a little too much. Like I get that. Like there like the I think the final thing is that meat has benefits and you shouldn't overconsume it, but and then vegetables have like very definitive benefits to your health. So you mm-hmm. should like just eat a lot of vegetables and some meat. Yeah, <laughs> but that's my opinion. <laughs> like some kind of balance where the the problem is don't go off balance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the book that I read uh, is called The China Study. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around the time when I had like tried veganism for a bit. <clears throat> um. Its main premise was basically that like there were a lot of people in rural parts of China that ate little to no meat um, mm-hmm. and they had like extremely low rates of heart disease and, and cancer and things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, let's, let's kind of ignore the survival bias again on this side, basically saying that like, you know, oh, wait, cancer know, cancer disease. What
0: is survival bias? Right. Should we explain that <laughs> or should I could explain quick. it. Uh, yeah, you can explain it. You're the data person. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, survival bias is like a misperception of truth, right? So I think the easiest example to think of is that often I hear people say, man, they don't make cars like they used to, or they don't make X like they used to. Um, but what you're really seeing is that you're seeing the old cars that survive time, not that you see like the all the cars that were produced in that time period and how, how many of them actually lasted a few decades. So that's like a form of survival bias, right? Because you're only seeing the things that you're you're seeing on a filtered form of what's left and making an opinion off of that. Do you want to add anything to that? No. Okay.
1: Cool. Really. Although, okay. like, the example I'm using in this case is maybe a more literal definition of survival bias, basically okay. saying a lot of people will say that things like cancer and heart disease only kill you when you get old, and people in... Uh, like lower GDP areas tend to have a lower life expectancy, so obviously they have less cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, let's ignore that and let's just say, it's, oh yes, it's because their diet is is so much better than ours. Um, I think like that's kind of so the 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 qualm I had with this book was they did a good amount of research, and you know I didn't like verify that their research was accurate, but assuming like the numbers were correct. It effectively said that like eating low amounts of animal protein correlated with a very like decreased rates of cancer mm-hmm. and i have no reason to necessarily disagree that that's true um but the, the the thing that really bothered me about it was that like when the animal protein percentages went to a, like a fairly low percentage mm-hmm. uh the benefits it was like a diminishing returns thing right like 10% animal protein versus 0% animal protein were basically the same, yet the conclusions that were written in the book were like you should never eat any animal protein, no. right? And it's like okay, I, I totally understand that like having too much is bad for you, yeah. Um, and and like the model that I've always followed, which like is I think very common in a lot of like rural China and a lot of uh, generally like non first like non like non first world countries pretty much is like meat is considered a luxury um and in the same way that you don't eat truffles all the time like you wouldn't eat meat yeah. all the time and, and on top of that you also like recycle the crap out of your meat right like it's you you'll use the meat for you know you use the flesh for for your standard stuff and then you use the skin and the bones to make broth and And all sorts of stuff so like the one chicken that you get could turn into like you know five six servings whereas like most americans will just like buy a skinless chicken breast Um, yeah and i think like the fundamental issue is kind of shifts towards like an economic perspective where like we put massive subsidies on meat production which is kind of like making it seem way more accessible than it should be and as a result, people are eating way more of it. Um, and on top of that, we, like I think America in particular has like extremely low quality protein in comparison to other countries. Uh, but we also have that, like, Doritos or low quality corn chips.
0: Yeah. Well, we also it's. I think we do have low quality protein available, but we also have very high quality, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just have a wider right. spectrum. Whenever I travel, I'm like, well, uh, like. There's, like, no options. You just kind of eat what you have to, what you, like, find at the supermarket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think a lot of those things, just, uh, so much BS in the world. Or so much, like, not BS, but things that don't have evidence around it, really. Yeah. Um, did that book even, did, like, did they even, spec- like, specify if it was fish protein, like, did they separate out fish protein, or was it just red meat? Because, I mean, there's also, Uh, like...
1: I think, I don't remember a distinction, um...
0: Because Japanese people live forever, like, they are, they're, like, one of the healthiest countries in the world, with the Okinawans living to a hundred, all the time, or something.
1: I heard that that was, like, slowly becoming not as
0: true. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's unfortunate.
1: Um, although, my opinion of it is uh, because of, like, globalization. Mm. I think America has exported its poor nutrition to the rest of the world.
0: Oh, yeah, on that note, man, McDonald's in Japan is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I was like, oh, yeah, I heard McDonald's here is really good. It's better than in the States. So I'll try one, and then I was like. Yeah, this is pretty darn good. And I found out like if it wasn't good, or like let's just say, um, you see a, you know, you see those posters of like really perfect looking nuggets or burgers or whatever, and here you you don't expect to get that when you order it at McDonald's, but mm-hmm. over in Japan you get what's in the picture, and my friend yeah. explained it in a way where he says like. Yeah, you better give them what's actually advertised, or they'll give you so much shit for it, and then they won't be your customers. So you kind of have yeah. to. It's unfortunate we, that we don't do they that.
1: They stand up for themselves a lot better. Yeah, or their standards are haven't been destroyed.
0: Yeah, it's, but man, I don't know. I still feel like so, Japan people, Japanese people live are gonna live a long time. They're just when I was in, like you've been in, you've been to Tokyo, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, this, must, this might be survival bias, but, but but in Tokyo, I was just, like, so blown away by how many, like, healthy-looking old people I saw that were still working. There was this one old guy I saw, and he, like, was carrying these heavy things, and I was just thinking, oh, I, I'm not fit enough to do that. I don't want to do that. It's just, like going, like, wow, Japanese people are so fit. And then, like, you see the numbers, and it's just, like, they're living so long, and it goes mm-hmm. my way, and their diet, yeah. Okay, sorry. What were you saying?
1: Oh, nothing. I didn't say anything. Okay, Good I finished all
0: though. the food. It's delicious. I'm I'm kind of slowly picking at the sauces right now. Nice. This is amazing.
1: Um. So Japan does have the highest life expectancy. Uh, it's just that Okinawa is no longer the highest um. in Japan. Um. This paper claims it's. Or, like, they believe it's a result of diet westernization. Mm. Um, That's probably possible. And that dietary restriction is a valid way of life extension in humans.
0: I believe that. I'm not really into. So, by that,
1: hmm? does that just mean like a low calorie diet?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing so. There's a very strong evidence that a low calorie diet does extend your life. Or keep you healthier. Um, There's this uh, one good, this one professor at Harvard, I think he did uh, his research on longevity. He wrote a book called Lifespans. I haven't read it yet, but I've seen a lot of his TED talks. And essentially it was like, okay, so uh, stress makes you healthier, live longer, around there. And it was like, so you want to be hungry, you want to exercise, and you want to, like, you know, be in a cold water bath or saunas to stress your body. And all those things, like, actually help your body, like, produce this, these things that actually help it repair and stay long, young and stuff. Mm. And just Extending
1: like Extending telomeres or something? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Something like that. You, you read it, right? Something like
1: that. I didn't read it.
0: Mm. Okay. Seems like you're familiar with it, all of it. Also, I just know
1: that tel- when mm-hmm. telomeres get too short, your cells can't reproduce.
0: Yeah, and then he also has a blood test. Um, he like, I think he has some company he works with that sells it. You can take a blood test to see what your biological age is. Kind of want to do it. I haven't gone to ordering it though. Especially in the COVID era. But let's see, I don't know. Watch, I'm really old. Shit. What if, I'm like, what if I'm like 80 years old I'll be like, oh, great. I don't know. When are, also, when are, uh, where, where are you planning to travel? Where do you want to travel to? I know we can't travel right now.
1: Um, let's see. I think Australia is probably the, the big one next. Um, it could also be China. So, it's probably Shanghai.
0: Wait, you uh, want to go to China? Dude, I don't even know if I can get a visa right now.
1: Oh, I already have a visa. Oh, okay.
0: It's like, with all the consulate stuff, I'm just thinking, ah, oh, I want to go see China, but how do I get a visa? Do
1: you have any friends that are living there?
0: Oh, in China? No, actually, I don't know anyone in China. Oh. I guess all of mainland Chinese people I know are not mainland Chinese people anymore because they, like, moved here. They're, like, like Chinese in America. But we work with a lot of people from China, though, I think. Um, And it's been good because I get to, like, practice Mandarin, I guess, but I'm still pretty Mm -hmm. bad at it.
1: How's that going, by the way?
0: (laughs) Oh, man, dude. I think I'm improving, but it's slow. I have I stopped practicing. Do you have any plans of improving your rendering? Wait, you're actually pretty good though, right? No. I'm
1: not. I might be better than you, but
0: You're probably well, you're definitely better than me.
1: Um, but that's mainly because I don't know, I was just around it a lot more. Mm.
0: What if, I grew what grew if- up around it? What if you have to talk to your girlfriend in Mandarin 100% of the time?
1: If I had to, um, we'd probably break up. (laughs) (laughs) Is she behind you? The question was if I had to speak to you in Chinese 100% of the time. (laughs) Um. (laughs) we've had conversations before uh like trying to practice it and it it basically comes down to like i can't really have a meaningful conversation with anybody like if you want to talk about like what's for dinner and and what you need from the store or like i don't know really basic things like that i can probably handle it um i can order food at a restaurant maybe if i can read the the items um but yeah, if it's if it's gonna be like, what are your thoughts on the Chinese government? I would just be like, it is good or it is bad. <laughs> People are sad sometimes. Yeah, you know, like just I can't say anything impactful. And I I think that's actually like low key, at least for me personally, uh, it's been like the biggest struggle in picking up any sort of language because, like, as a kid, your standard for conversation are like. yeah right like you don't have to say anything as a kid um but if so I, i i learned japanese to like a very very amateur like elementary school level conversation level uh and i had done like pen pals that were like organized through my university and like being a full like a pretty much an adult messaging somebody like what do you like to do for fun and then your answer is like i like to play tennis uh, <laughs> it's it, it's like not engaging enough that you like would you would never make a friend you would never actually have a real conversation with that person and you would probably never talk to them again because of like just like how it is uh <laughs> and so it's really hard to like find people to speak like other languages to because like why would they talk to you Uh, Most commonly, it's like if they're trying to learn English and you can like kind of trade back and forth, but like, you know, it's, it's not, it it feels like a waste of time, I think.
0: So I have like um, a friend in Japan who studied Japanese since middle school, and I think he's like pretty good at it, but he still tells me like, it's like impossible to work at like a real Japanese company. Because you need like high level Japanese, and it's just way too hard to get to that level. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. And then there's like this YouTuber I just started following, and he's half Japanese, but his mom has really good Japanese, and he's been taught Japanese like very uh, carefully since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, he was on his like friend was saying how. Uh, the guy's Japanese is so good that he can like tutor certain Japanese, like tutor Japanese people, and it just blows my mind that, that it's just like there's just there's so much difficulty in Japanese. Like the way people explain it to me, I'm just blown away by how hard it is to get to like a proficient level for work. Well, when I think about people we work with, I feel like their English is pretty good. I can figure out what they're saying. Yes, it's not horrible. True. Um, and then like there's certain Chinese people who I'm like, oh, their English is better than a lot of people I know who were born here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, maybe, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I think we're maybe comparing apples to oranges here a little bit because, um, I think that people are taught English younger.
0: Oh, like, yeah, that's taught the
1: true. importance of it much earlier. Uh, oh. I think that if you.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, so, like, it, it, it motivates you. You know, if you're like, if I learn how to speak English, I can make twice as much money or something. I mean, yeah. if you felt that way about Chinese, <laughs> you'd probably be quite good at it.
0: Oh, yeah. Right now, it's kind of just like a. It would be cool to know, but I have no real incentives to really learn it.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless uh, you want to like, just move, like if you just hate
0: America. Yeah, but I wouldn't move to China. I, I haven't even been there. Or mainland China. It's like. I mean, it could
1: help in like Singapore or Taiwan.
0: Yeah, Taiwan. Oh, definitely if you in Taiwan. Go to Taiwan. Yeah, Taiwan would be nice. Uh, uh, it was hard. I spoke to, like, I made some friends there. And it was very interesting because, like, uh, their their English wasn't like that good, but we were able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, we discover Google Translate, where you can speak into it and it'll translate it, and mm-hmm. <laughs> with whatever you just like said, but in the other language. And then we start having conversations using my phone, and I'm just thinking. Oh, this is crazy. What if you have, like, a relationship this way and, like, you have to grab your phone to argue or, like, have any discussion? Ooh. That
1: would be... I could I could imagine that. Like, if they can make it seamless enough... Um, I think that's I the mean, future, though. Just, yeah.
0: Sorry, what? I feel like that's the future.
1: Where, basically breaking language barriers. It's, yeah, like it's pirango, some Star Trek stuff. Powered by a computer.
0: Yeah, Star Trek. You could
1: have people, like, you could hack people's conversation modules so that you could cause people to have arguments with their significant others.
0: You would think about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. But but back to the English topic, honestly, like, after traveling, um, knowing English is such a crazy, crazy privilege. Because it just blows my mind, like... By knowing English everywhere else, you could probably get a job because it's just so widely used. And mm-hmm. it's like when I travel, I think about how other people probably travel. And I'm thinking, how are they pulling this off? It's so hard if you don't even know a bit of English. Because because if I go to any country, there's going to be English and there's going to be like important American culture. It's, uh, like, yeah. when I was in but Amsterdam.
1: signs that even the locals don't understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, when I was in Amsterdam, It's like, California hot dogs and California burritos. And I was, like, I don't think I want a California burrito from here. But it's, like, the Netherlands. And, or, like, you go to Turkey and it's just everywhere. It's just all this English. Or even in Japan, right? It's just English signs are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... Who is it? Uh, oh, the YouTuber I followed was saying like how they're learning Japanese. One of them was saying they're they're learning Japanese after moving to Japan. And mm-hmm. and then Duolingo, they're just shitting on Duolingo. It's like, why do I need to learn the word, like the kanji for Tokyo and Kyoto? It's in English when you're here. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, like that's how yeah. like, you learn all the useless stuff. First. <laughs> Ooh. Cool. Okay. I never
1: thought about that
0: but it's true yeah it's like why do you want to learn all the heaps of that also in Chinese or in Mandarin I don't like how Mandarin is called 보통-wa. 普通? yeah because yeah. it like it doesn't translate to Mandarin it just translates to what like people like the common language right literally yeah. I'm just like oh. Other languages don't do that, right? Like I say, I say English. I don't say it's like the common language for the world.
1: I mean, China China doesn't translate to China.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. A lot of things don't translate, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Where do we eat? We should tell the audience that, actually. Oh,
1: Udupi Palace.
0: Okay, where is that? Let's see.
1: In Mission, on Valencia Street.
0: Yeah. It's uh one zero zero seven Valencia Street, San Francisco, California nine four
1: one one zero I was thinking it' would be, be cool to like shout out to restaurants that probably can't afford to advertise.
0: yeah we're we're doing we're doing that every meal' we'll be <laughs> like this is delicious but then the flip side of that is what if the food just tastes like crap, then you just go like this one restaurant yeah. at blah blah just blah be
1: honest. If you're not being paid for it, then you you have the, the right to be honest.
0: I feel like eating there would be so good. When I look at these pictures on Yelp, there's just so many yeah. sauces. Like, you can modify the flavor. You know, if you, like, mix the sauces. I feel like making this food must be a lot of work. Because you have to, like, make so much different sauces and pour it out. Yeah, I, I feel like
1: you it it definitely becomes easier with scale.
0: Yeah, what um, if like your mom and just making this for your kid every day?
1: <laughs> oh, actually, I had a really cool experience where uh, I had a coworker. Um, I forgot where what city he was from, but uh, he was from India, um, and I was telling him how like I like cooking, and he he invited me over to his place because he was like, my mom is in town. Would you like to learn how to cook Indian food from my mom? And oh, I was that like, sounds hell awesome! Yes. Like that is like such a good opportunity. So I, I showed up and basically I just fought, like we went to a grocery store, bought some stuff, and then we I just kind of st- stood next to his mom and did everything she told me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made some stuff that I still don't even remember what it was. I could probably figure it out again, but uh, it, it was like a like a roti that was. It was some type of roti made with a different type of flour. I forgot what the flour was. It was a different type of flour, and then it was a like a, almost like a hash or like a. I don't know something thing made out of chickpea flour and like chilies and onions. Um, I was never able to successfully make something back at home, even though when I made it there, it seemed okay. But. Yeah. Uh, it it was really cool just like the the difference in how you approach recipes and like where the flavor comes from and how you kind of like build it up as you as you go through the recipe. I think every time I cook some form of like what we would call ethnic food, mm-hmm. uh I think you just kind of realize how crappy most western food is. <laughs> like it's so it's so like one dimensional and simple. Like I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. Like burgers are still good, but like Everything is kind of on the same same wavelength I guess. Like there's no there's no complexity or technique that goes into it. It's just like we're going to get meat flavor and we're going to put it on everything. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. like you know, something along those lines. Um, yeah,
0: I feel like a lot of things just don't have that many steps. While well, you look at some Asian cuisines, it's just like weeks of preparation, so many tiny steps like one tiny spoon of this and that it's, it's a lot
1: yeah and and there's it's like stuff that i think makes a lot of sense if you eat it a lot right like you can make a massive jar of pickles or a massive jar of chili oil and then eat that for the rest of the year um because that makes sense to do when you when you're cooking for yourself every day but i feel like most western cuisine at least in america is like People want something different every day, so you don't actually get the benefit of like making food in scale at scale.
0: Yeah. Man. Oh, actually, when I was in Taiwan, um, let me know if you you know like more about this. But uh, I was in a mall and I saw that they had like a cooking, uh, re- like a restaurant kind of thing, and they just do cooking classes. I was thinking, Mm -hmm. why don't we have that here? Like, why don't, why isn't it a big thing for people to just go somewhere and make their own food and like enjoy it with some friends instead of actually going to a place and eating, just eating? I feel like I would enjoy that. We do
1: have cooking classes in the US.
0: But it's not like a thing where you just like do it every day or, or, it's
1: really expensive or every weekend yeah it, it, it's somewhere in the realm of like I, I mean in sf it's like 100 to 150 dollars a person yeah um and and like you don't even learn anything right <laughs> like like i feel like it's very similar to have you seen like the painting with wine nights
0: oh yeah yeah yeah. those like fun give you
1: a glass of wine and you paint like something like I, I mean i think the problem is that like everything in order to succeed here has to like provide you with like a souvenir of of like your accomplishment right it's like oh i've created this painting or i've created this like plate or i have this picture of my food and you know like no one wants to just like sit down and like practice technique or like learn technique because it's not you know it's not like advertisable it's not tangible you can't like yeah. tweet about it or something so uh i, I guess feel like cooking the classes reason. i've been to probably a, like a half half dozen or something and you know i spent the money on doing it and like almost every single time i come out of it being like i could have just googled a recipe and it would be no different <laughs> right um,
0: yeah but
1: when you when you ask like like an asian relative for instance to like show me how to cook something they're just like oh there's too much stuff i can't explain it to you just like watch me
0: <laughs> yeah it's very true and then they eyeball everything it's never measured Really mm-hmm. yeah. You
1: know. I mean it could be measured. Okay, yeah, I could that's be. one thing I disagree with personally. I think it could be measured, but uh I think maybe more accurately it's more like it doesn't have to be measured. Yeah. I think the flavor comes from technique and like very rough ratios, but it's not like baking where it's like if you're off by five percent it'll be different.
0: Yeah, that's true. Man, I guess it's just Places like San Francisco and New York are just too expensive.
1: Yeah. Everything I mean, we do like here you, is so expensive. You can see it's like a cooking camp.
0: A cooking camp. Like, bring all these people to the middle of nowhere where it's cheap. And then just like, you can cook every day. I feel like I would just yeah, make an I, omelet every day. Because I like omelets.
1: I mean, if, if that's if that's your thing, you'll make really good omelets. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking more like, you can prep ingredients like on the weekend and then use like so i this is a pretty big tangent but like whenever i would try to learn how to cook i kind of take like a pantry approach to cooking rather than a recipe approach like Mm -hmm. i had a roommate where he had an entire bookshelf full of recipes and i feel like he couldn't really cook like he he knew how to execute recipes fine um but like I feel like he didn't have any like understanding of how to cook and like, you know, I'm not saying I'm significantly better, but like I, I try to take this like pantry approach, which is like you buy all the things that would exist in a pantry for a person that cooks in that cuisine. Uh, That could be a lot of stuff. It could be a lot of stuff. I mean, it, it's better than like buying a bottle of soy sauce for one recipe though. Like it's, At least you're using it for multiple recipes. Uh, And I I think one thing I noticed was that like for the really basic like non-extravagant non-fancy foods, um, Mm -hmm. like the staple dishes, uh, they all really draw from like the same handful of ingredients which like is exceedingly sensible, sensible. Like of course when people were cooking for themselves they wouldn't like go out and seek out foods and exotic ingredients and stuff like they use what they have on hand and they use it in different ways. Um, And, you know, it it makes it very easy to, like, create something that tastes kind of Japanese or kind of Korean or kind of Chinese without having to, like, follow, like, this is the recipe for mapo tofu or
0: something. Yeah. It's also so interesting how, like, people segment the cuisines so much. Mm -hmm. Because then it's like, this tastes Korean, this tastes Japanese, this tastes Chinese. And it's true, like, they each have their own flavors. But it's just, like, interesting how people can actually distinguish it. But then, on the flip side of that, I don't know, like, a burger is a very American thing, but the best burgers I've ever had have been in Sweden. I'm just like, these are so good.
1: Really? (laughs) So good. Interesting.
0: I think that what happened was they just went to America, had a lot of burgers, and then brought it back.
1: That's possible.
0: They did, like, a um, Japanese approach to it, like, try something, and then they just have to dedicate their life to making it the perfect thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Although, on that note, I find it very strange that burgers are so bad in many other countries.
0: Dude, it's, like, so easy to make. It blows my mind that it's bad. Yeah, like, all the homemade oh, burgers d- I've ever made are, like, okay, they're not as good as, like,
1: you know, some, like, some burger chain, but... Uh, like they're not as good as like Rome or something, if you've ever had Rome.
0: No, but I'm assuming um, it's good.
1: Rome Artisan Burger in SF, very good burgers, way overpriced, kind of too small. It's like $12 for one burger, and the burger's too small. So like, what do you do? You have to get two burgers, but you also don't want to spend $25 on two burgers. So anyways, I digress. Um, I I've never made burgers as good as their burgers. But like, they're always like 60, 70% as good. And all the burgers I've ever had in Asia are like 20%. Yeah. So I have no idea what I'm doing when I make them.
0: Man, burgers. I love burgers. I wonder if I could do, like, I wonder if we could do a whole episode on just burgers with a ton of burgers. Probably. Oh, don't we have to get those
1: I've, I've watched a video about that before, <laughs> like a 30 minute video about just burgers.
0: Oh man, yeah, they're like my favorite. I would do that. Oh, okay. Um, hey, how long should we make this? Actually, how long have we been on? Oh, it's almost been an hour. We should, yeah. figure out. We should reiterate the restaurant at the end, and then close. Okay. But what's you the burger place first, huh?
1: No or burger. Do it. Oh wait, no, what? I was just saying I had a video.
0: Oh yeah, what's the video? I don't know where it is. Okay. Um, Actually, wait. You should do it because I can't say the name. Udupi? (laughs) I mean, I don't know how to pronounce
1: it either.
0: Wait, but I felt like the way you said it was official. (laughs) Udupi? Yeah, you do. Okay. Udupi Palace? At 1007 Valencia Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. (laughs) In the Mission District... Yeah. Oh man! In their description, they say it's like the located in the heart of Silicon Valley. See, when did San Francisco become the heart of Silicon Valley? I saw don't. You know.
1: uh, it's definitely not.
0: Uh, but the world's changing. That's okay. Okay, cool. I'm gonna end it here. Thanks for listening, right. whoever listens to this. <laughs>